Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back with Beyond Baseball, episode number five. I am powered by Prospects Live. I am here with Dr. Caleb Mezzi, as always. Caleb, how are you doing today? I am pumped. We had a great conversation, um, and I'm really just interested to see how Major League Baseball kind of ends their season, then we go into the playoffs. So it's a good time of the year. Um, Weather's changing, as we were talking about before. A little drop in the weather kind of brings that fall feel. Yeah, love the fall time. Uh, means though the only sad part about fall time is mean baseball is about to be done for the season. We're getting into minor league playoffs this month. We'll have major league playoffs next month. Um, but one thing that's kind of happening for the transition for a lot of minor leaguers is going into the off season. Um, Caleb, from your perspective, working on career transitions and things like that, how can the off season um, help minor leaguers kind of develop themselves outside of the game? Yeah, I think one of the first things that that we know you know, is it's a break. So it's a break from the game, mm-hmm. the workouts, the the grueling season, you know, mentally and physically. So I think just taking that break, mental and physical, is key. Uh, but then also just getting into some kind of rhythm for the person, right? Whatever that may be, whether you're a morning person or, you know, a night out, having some kind of routine, having some kind of rhythm, and then challenging yourself. So I think each person needs to stay physical. So I'm not going to talk about that because that's not my area of expertise. Yeah. But the mental side, I think, is also where we need to stay stimulated. So how do we stay stimulated? I think depending on who you are, the age you're at, where you are in your career and, and where you you know see yourself going, whether it's you know retiring in a few years, if you're not in double A or triple A, I think a lot of things can come back to you know education. And the other part is, as we've mentioned, I think you gave it a perfect example um, a little bit ago is, you know, following your passions and really following your efforts, right? So where are you putting your efforts? What are you doing networking wise? Are you out there? Are you, you know, talking to these people? Are you meeting with these people? And are you learning around the things that you are seriously interested and skilled in? So that's kind of like the overarching thing. It's really hard to kind of give blanket advice based off of the person, but having a start to that process this off season, whether it's your last off season or not, it's just really a good start for for anybody. 
Yeah, and I think that one of the one things that we talked about um, with Jacob Turner in one of the last episodes, too, is how he used road trips, basically, to kind of just go reach out and meet people to find these other opportunities and passions outside of the game. And that's kind of what the offseason presents to these guys. Yeah, they're going to go through their offseason routines. They're going to go through the the same day-to-day to get themselves ready for the next season. But it's also, like you said, an opportunity to go go to school, do some classes, or have the opportunity to – um, meet and network within their community and find these new passions. And the guests we had on uh, today, um, well, today as in right now, but uh, was Ryan Ogren. And he talked a little bit, a lot about um, how he used the offseason to kind of find himself. Uh, what were some of your favorite things about that interview? Yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's a good topic just to discuss with Ryan because one of the things I was also going to add is it never hurts to just – take a step back and do like a self audit Mm. and understand what do I want to learn? But then also how do I learn that thing? So like learning styles, you know, we've always heard in like school, you're either an audio audio learner or, but I don't think it's that black and white. I think there's different ways, you know, you can learn some specific area or interest or topic, reading it, writing it, talking to people, watching a YouTube video, listening to a podcast even. And, you know, our guest, Ryan, had a really good sense of how he learned. He also had a really good sense of who he was and what he was interested in. So one of the things that stood out to me to answer your question is how driven he was um, on and off the field, but how the similar leadership skills as a shortstop, as a catcher, and in running your own business and really just doing any business activity just kind of translated so well because he did know how he learned. He knew what he was interested in. He knew that he wanted to kind of you know, use the phrase bet on himself mm-hmm. to, co- to come out on top. I mean, that's, he's a true testament to that. And I think the other thing is, is he really understood, um, you know, kind of where he was in his position. So he understood that he, he might not have made it to the highest level of baseball and that he might have to start again at the lowest level in business, but he was willing to work that ladder and, and climb it because when it comes down to it for himself, he said his work ethic translated really well. And I think we, you know, without seeing him work, we saw that he has a really good work ethic. Yeah. And I think the the one thing uh, outside his drive that really impressed me, and I think a lot of fans will resonate with, um, and current minor league players as well, is the fact that he would take control of the situations that he was in. He would never let the situation control him. He was always like, no, this is not what I want to do anymore. And I'm going to make this step and decide it for myself. And I think that's one thing that I think everybody will take away and really enjoy. Um, but Without further ado, we want to bring you right to that interview. Uh, here's the interview with Ryan Ogren. Welcome back to Beyond Baseball. We have a great guest with us today, Ryan Ogren. Um, he's going to talk to us about his journey through the minor leagues and kind of what he's doing now. We're going to learn more about him as a person, but then also like what he's doing and what he did when he was playing baseball and beyond. Uh, Ryan was a 12th round pick from the Seattle Mariners um, from Elon University. Um, he is a local guy to where I am in Philadelphia, so that's kind of how we connected, and we'll probably talk more about that, but just kick us off. Ryan, give us some uh, details on your process from going um, from, I guess, Conestoga High School to Elon to the Mariners, and then what happened after that? Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, love what you're doing and happy to be a part of it. Um, but pretty much uh, from Conestoga, I knew I wanted to go south. To play baseball I knew I wanted to play in college and I knew I wanted to play division one um, but then it was just a matter of finding the right fit um, so I wanted to play right away and uh, Elon offered me that opportunity and um, then my other 
criteria were, uh, is it a good baseball school? Are guys getting drafted out of it? Um, is it a good academic school and are the girls hot? And so Elon satisfied <laughs> all those and um, that decided to go there. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about that criteria that I guess you made for yourself, but talk to us about the reputation that Elon had as a baseball school specifically. Yeah. So um, mid-major school and, uh, but they also play on the midweek. Uh, they'll play all those top ACC teams. So, you know, NC state, wake UNC, um, and a couple others. And, you know, I just wanted to be in the heart of that. And uh, they, they, I think they have like 70 plus uh, draft picks now. Um, a few big leaguers, a um, couple first round picks. Uh, George Kirby's a starting pitcher with the Mariners right now. Mm -hmm. And he's dicing. So um, a lot of great baseball talent, a lot of great baseball history there. And uh, I believe they're putting up, the school is putting a lot of money into the facilities. So they're growing. So. All right. So then, after you were at Elon, you get drafted by the Mariners. Talk about the process of going through that draft. You know, was it a surprise? Did you think the 12th round? What did that mean to you um, once you heard your name called? Right. Yeah. So the, the process was great. It all kind of started, um, I guess, that summer before junior year for me. Um, I went to the Cape Cod League and uh, played there. And that's where a lot of those relationships kind of started with all the scouts. Um, then I went back to, uh, Elon in the fall and met with, uh, all 30 teams. Um, that was pretty cool. You know, definitely a lot of meetings, a lot of, uh, questionnaires to fill out at that time. Um, and that kind of got annoying, but got them all, got them all in on time. And, uh, so I met with all these teams. Um, they're asking me all these questions about, you know, you know, kind of probing who I am as a person and, you know, looking at like the makeup, I guess I have. And then, um, you know, they come and watch your fall practices and scrimmages. Um, then, you know, come around the spring, you know, they all those guys show up again. And, um, you know, you kind of see the big games when we play those ACC teams, they would uh, they would show up again. Um, but I kind of knew I had a really close relationship with the, the Seattle Mariners scout. And I kind of figured if there was a team that was going to take me, it was going to be, you know, probably the Mariners, but I also thought, you know, the Braves and the A's were going to be in the mix. Um, but that, you know, I've heard everyone everywhere from, you know, third to 10th round um, going into draft day. And so, um, you know, coming out of college, you, you're the big dog in the pond and you're, you know, I was expecting like very to go a lot higher than I did. But so what seemed to be happening was a lot of those senior signs we're bumping guys out of that seven to 10 uh, round range. So as day two started and I still wasn't getting any calls, uh, um, it's, I started seeing a lot of seniors go and uh, my advisors at the time were saying that's what was going down. So um, kind of bumps everyone out of that, uh, all the juniors out of that uh, seven to 10 range. And then, you know, kind of went, definitely went lower than I thought I would, but, you know, wasn't really complaining. I was still really happy that day. Take us, uh, that's, I, I love your journey kind of through, but kind of take us through that transition from college to pro ball. I know you mentioned at college, you're like the big dog and you kind of, you're yeah. out there and you're like the star of the team and things like that. How was that experience of going into pro ball all of a sudden being to have like that reality check kind of hit and like, Oh, all these dudes are talented as soon as you get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in college, I really, the, the only time I struggled really was my freshman year. Um, you know, I, I was, Starting as a freshman, I played every single game except for like one or two. Um, and so then I played most of them at short, too. I think I, I only played one or two at second base. 
And um, so, you know, I hit probably 330, you know, I think that was my career average, 340 or something like that. So not a lot of adversity there. Um, and then getting drafted, not where I wanted to. Uh, it was kind of like, well, wh- you know, what are you guys looking for? Um, and this was before they said OPS was, you know, the pro- yeah. this was before that. This yeah. was 2018. So, <laughs> you know, batting average still meant something. And, you know, um, you know, I, I played pretty flawless at shortstop. And I f- figured, you know, I had a great arm. I, you know, I was going to go a lot higher. And then that was the first gut check, really. Um, as soon as, as soon as I went lower than I expected, I was kind of like disappointed in the game of baseball. <laughs> and then, but then you realize, you know, when you show up on day one, you see, okay, these guys are legit that, you know, they went ahead of you. They're legit. And, um, so that going into uh mini camp in, uh, so I got drafted by the Mariners, um, went to Arizona and for a, like a three, three to four day mini camp. And then uh, that's when I kind of met everyone else around and everyone was equal in talent. Really. We had a bunch of infielders. And um, after that, we went up to short season, which doesn't exist anymore <laughs> uh, in Everett Aqua Sox, but it, it definitely was a gut check. And it was, uh, you know, you, I don't know how you would, um, if I had to go back in time, I would just try and stay a little bit more humble, but you, there's no way to know what's ahead. You know, you really don't understand how good, everyone else is because they're at every other spot in the, in the U S. Yeah. I, I love that kind of insight too, because we, I once interviewed the university of Georgia head coach and he was like, I tell all my players pro ball sucks. He's like, you got <laughs> it made here at the university of Georgia. Like you got all the facilities that you can think of. You right. got a coaching staff. You're like the, the elite guy. Um, and he's like, yeah, pro ball, it's going to be a huge reality check for all these guys. Definitely. Um, when you made that transition to pro ball, what were some of the things that you did and kind of implemented? Um, just because as on this show, we focus on the human side of the game and just kind of uh, developing as human beings. What were some things while you were working through pro ball to kind of develop yourself outside of the game? Right. Um, so I, I think this is one of my mistakes is I wasn't really doing anything outside. of. <laughs> out of I was always uh, my entire life really was just baseball and working on baseball um, that, you know, everyone, I grew up with would probably say the same thing, you know, my parents as well. Um, and that was just kind of what, who I was. So um, I really didn't do much outside of baseball at the time. Um, it wasn't until um, I started to get more gut checks that I started to, you know, kind of chill out off the field. And then, you know, I started playing better after that. What were some of those things that you did when you say chill out? I mean, what were the things that you kind of harnessed your off the field self to kind of get better, get back into a rhythm. Yeah. So um, I think the easy one is video games. And I think that's what mm-hmm. a lot of guys do. Um, but I, I, I went like the opposite way. Um, so I was playing a lot of video games, but then I, I figured I was, you know, kind of wasting time. <laughs> and that's just my personal view on it now. But um, at the time I'd play, I'd fire up Fortnite faster than, you know, my roommate would wake up. And so he, <laughs> he'd actually, he would actually wake up to the Xbox starting up. But um I would start reading reading a ton of books and I would read at everything, you know, short stories, long novels to uh, business books, to mental skills, all everything. Uh, if someone recommended it to me, I bought it on Amazon and I have a giant book stack. I still do that to this day. Uh, but that was, that was a big one. And then going on walks, you know, um, you travel to so many different cities. So I'd wake up early and I'd just go, you know, kind of walk the unique little town. And that kind of gets gets the wheels turning a little bit earlier, especially when I started catching. My legs were so sore. I would just walk it off 
And uh, that that actually came from uh, Nick Shufo. He's big leaguer with uh, the White Sox, I think Orioles, and a couple others. But so, was there anything that you were doing to you know harness those interests, right, that you had off the field? Um, and you know, obviously, the the living conditions as a minor leaguer aren't the best, and we've kind of detailed that in this pod. Um, but was there anything you were doing to, you know, make money or just kind of keep yourself busy mentally? And I guess if the walks would be physically as well. Yeah. So, um, I guess it it started, I started it, um, my second pro off season. So first pro off season, I went to instructs and that was, uh, in, that was in Arizona, Peoria, Arizona for like eight weeks, came back, you know, had two months and then went back to spring training early. So, um, second uh, off season, that's when I started the wood shop. And so I, uh, out of my parents' basement, I started my own wood shop. I called it Ryan's custom wood shop, <laughs> RCW. And, uh, I'd make, you know, pretty much anything that anyone had for me. It started with one of my sister's friends asked me if I could, uh, if I could make a shot ski, you know, those things. That you... <laughs> and, uh, she lived out in California. So I had to figure out a way to make it and then ship it and yeah. we'll pack it and then ship it. And so um, I just said yes before I even knew what to, how to do it and just figured it out. And I was able to put magnets on the bottom of the glasses. So it was actually pretty cool. And I decorated it and everything, got it out there and, uh, you know, made a good margin on it. So posted it to my Instagram. And then, you know, next thing you know, I was off to the races and I kept that going. So that went through my first off season and then uh, kept it going through COVID uh, that 2020 year and then, uh, shut it down when I left for spring training in, uh, 2021. Very cool. I, it's, it's cool to see all the passions that you kind of developed outside of the game too. Um, and kind of how they helped you with the different transitions. Uh, One big transition you had while you were playing, uh, was being traded to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, kind of take us through that and what, what goes through the mindset when you find out that you've been traded and kind of how you could develop uh ways through that right yeah this is this is actually a great story um so i was this is after spring training in 2019 i got assigned to low a west virginia charleston west virginia if you ever been to charleston you know there's you know there's not much there but it's a great town great people there so if they are listening you know (laughs) (laughs) but the uh it, it was a kind of a unique start to the season for me. I was playing shortstop, you know, pretty much every day, but I was, I was kind of off to a cold start and uh, I was figuring it out. And uh, then I went, uh, I think back to back games, I hit a home run to left center. Then I hit one to right center. And uh, it was after that, the next morning I wake up, I'm watching uh, get smart with uh, Steve Carell in it. A great movie. And my, uh, my, I'm actually living in the the family room of an apartment in uh, in West Virginia, and I have three roommates. They all got bedrooms, but they put me in the family room. So we actually just hung a curtain, and I I put my bed on the floor, and uh, they, you know they gave me like a kind of makeshift uh, uh, place where you put all your clothes, and you know I just my room was just a curtain really, and the kitchen was like on the other side of it. But I actually loved it. It was great. And uh, so I, I'm watching a movie there and um, I, I hear my roommate making uh, breakfast. And then all of a sudden I get a call from our head of player development, Andy McKay. And um, I talked to Andy a bunch, but not any during the season. And I was like, oh, dude, slow start. I'm getting released. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, shit. Like, 
I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but yeah. I, answer, I, answer, I answer the phone. <laughs> I, I answer the phone. I'm like, hello. And I'm like kind of shaking. He's like, hey, Ryan, what's going on? You got a second? I said, yeah. He said, uh, you know, uh, we really appreciate what you've done with Seattle, but we just traded you to the Baltimore Orioles. I was like, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, he's like on the phone giving me like a, a rah-rah speech, like telling me like, hey, you know, this is, thank you for doing the Mariners way. And, you know, everyone, all the coaches love you and you're going to have, you know, a great career and everything. And I'm like, I can like hear it, but I'm like whispering to my my roommates, I just got traded. I just got traded. And so he runs upstairs and wakes up my other two roommates. And um, <laughs> and then so I say bye to I say bye to Andy. I immediately call, uh, text my agent, say, Hey, I just got traded to the Orioles. He's calling me freaking out. I call my mom and say, Hey mom, I just got traded to the Baltimore Orioles. And then the Baltimore Orioles were calling me. So I had to hang up on my mom mid-sentence. <laughs> and um, then uh, Kent Qualls, he's, uh, I forget his position with the Orioles now, but at the time he was the interim player development. Um, he's still with the Orioles. I just, I spoke with him before I retired. And um, so he calls me and says, hey, Ryan, we just traded for you. Happy to have you, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like kind of up in the air. And then as soon as I got traded, everyone was thinking, who did I get traded for? And I was just hoping hoping it wasn't for like a bag of baseballs and, <laughs> and you know it turned out it was for a, a five-year big leaguer i believe mike wright and um just one for one and i was i was really i was stoked about that and uh it was it was a really cool experience after um after about two three hours of excitement i packed up my entire apartment i had my truck out there just threw everything in the back drove to the field uh my manager texted me congrats said bye to everybody packing my locker drove home <laughs> so seven hours home from west virginia back to philly and uh waited to be assigned to what affiliate i was going to with baltimore would they say they sent you to delmarva right right so the, yeah they told me i was going to low a low a delmarva which is two hours two and a half hours from my house in ocean right. city maryland so i just uh drove home first had a n- couple nights at home and then showed up a little bit late <laughs> so I could process. I remember packing like because we had our my Seattle Mariners bags navy blue, and all my undershirts are navy blue and everything. So I took <laughs> everything out and uh, I put a I had one black undershirt and then you know a, a pair of socks and then all my other equipment and I just put it all in that bag. I took all my Mariners stuff out and just showed up and uh, had nothing. I really didn't have anything uh, walking into that clubhouse. But I always I always kind of wish that every pro baseball player had the opportunity to walk into a new clubhouse for the first time. Cause it is, it is a humbling experience. Everyone just turns and looks at you and, and <laughs> you, know, you have your new bags and then everyone's trying to figure out what position you play. So <laughs> if, if their position is safe. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a gut check for sure. It's like first day of school. So you, you talk <laughs> about thinking that you might get cut from receiving that call or at least seeing Andy's name on the, your iPhone or whatever. To then hearing you got traded and then showing up at the Orioles complex um, and then you went through another transition. So talk to us about the transition between switching positions and just how quickly did that happen after you got traded, all that whole process. Yeah, so I know the the Mariners were actually toying around with me becoming a catcher um, around Instructs, around the end of Instructs because uh, I had such a good arm, but I wasn't incredibly fast at shortstop. Um, and I was like all into it because, you know, they, they had to give you some like really cool gear and I just wanted the gear really, it was going to be cool. So, but I also thought, you know, like you don't really need to hit that well to be a catcher. And you also, I could throw everyone out block. Like I would actually be a really good catcher. And, um, I think 
my coaches in college said the same thing, but I just was so good at shortstop. They didn't see a need to change that. Um, but so the Mariners were like talking to me about it, but we really didn't do much besides just, you know, I'd catch a little bit off the machine here, there. When I went over to uh, the Orioles, I had, I actually had catcher's gear with, with me then. And so I would catch um, in between innings if I wasn't playing that day um, just for fun. You know, I always thought it was fun and I would love the way I looked in the gear. So I had, I'd throw the backwards <laughs> skull cap on, throw the mask on top. And I thought that was sick. I just thought the look was cool. <laughs> And um, one day there, the red, uh, not the reds, the um, I think he played for the reds, Donnie Warner. Um, he was the Orioles catching coordinator at the time. And he was watching me warm up one time, the pitcher when I wasn't playing, he said, have you caught before? I said, no, he's you can do this. And so I guess he saw that and passed it along to our manager who was a catcher, Kyle Moore, who passed it along to the player development guys. And, um, it was kind of on the back burner for a while because I played shortstop second and third uh, for the Del Marva Shorebirds that year in 2019. And um, when I showed up for spring training in 2020, I was still a shortstop. It wasn't until I showed up to spring training 2021 that the head of player development, Matt Blood, put me in the catcher's group with Adley Rutschman. And <laughs> um, that was the first day that I learned that they wanted me to become a catcher. Um, it was first day of spring training, 2021. That's wild. Now, before I jump into my next question, I got to ask who had the better gear, the Mariners or the Orioles? <laughs> the, uh, well, so the Mariners gave me some like old, old gear. Cause I didn't want to waste a new <laughs> set of gear on, on, uh, you know, a converted guy, but, um, they, they did have like cooler, uh, colors, you know, yeah. cooler colors yeah. on, the, on the actual gear itself. You know, they had like a turquoise, um, uh, turquoise logo on the uh, mask and it was actually pretty cool but the uh, the Orioles you know I just got like all black uh, all-star gear and then um, when they when I actually became a catcher they gave me some nicer gear so nice. um, yeah a little bit of each it's, a, it's all the same thing yeah um, so you talk about kind of your your journey here it's kind of transitioning positions transitioning teams um kind of what went into your decision making and figuring out whether to retire from the game or not i'm just curious about what led you to make that decision and kind of step away from the game of baseball yeah so i mean it was it was kind of a, a perfect storm really um during covid um i i realized you know i got a knack for business mm. and um uh, but you know when you're in the game, when you're playing, you, you know, you don't think about your future really besides, you know, being a big leaguer. So, uh, but during COVID I started, I started doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, had all these other interests, um, got my blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Nice. And, you know, um, I, I was just like kind of growing, uh, not like rapidly outside of the game. And then going back to spring training, um, really not having worked on catching at all. And day one, them telling me they want me to become a catcher um and really saying i don't really have a choice if i want to play shortstop anymore like that would probably be it for me um and that that was like a kick in the nuts really because i wasn't even expecting that and now i'm expected to go out and compete um on a position the, probably the hardest position on the field without learning it having time to learn it against the best players in the world um so i was kind of fighting a battle uphill after that and um I really didn't like the way they handled that. I feel like, you know, we had a full season off. They should have, they should have told me before, 
Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I brought that up to them when I was, when I was retiring, obviously. And I said, you know, that's, that's just not how, uh, that's just not really fair, but, um, game's not fair and, uh, life isn't either. So, um, after that, I wasn't really even playing my position that I grew up with and that I thought I was good at. Um, and so I, I kind of struggled all through 2021 really, cause I didn't have, you know, there was not even really a coach, uh, down in spring training to teach me how to catch and, and extended. They didn't have a catching coach down there. Um, so I was left in uh, spring extended spring training to learn how to catch by myself. And I just had a, a bunch of coaches kind of come together and help me. Um, the pitching coach, Alan Mills, he was a, uh, he pitched like a couple of 10 years in the show or something like that. Maybe more. He was my catching coach <laughs> and so I had a as a catching coach. Um, and it was kind of at, at that point in time, I realized like, this is kind of a joke. Um, but I'm going to do the best I can, um, uh, finished the year strong, got a promotion to high A and I definitely struggled. Like, you know, it took, it took a toll on my, my legs. I couldn't feel my legs when I was hitting. It took a toll on my mind. Like I, the game was completely different. Um, and then going into the off season, I was stoked because, you know, I finally get some time to learn this thing. Um, the Orioles brought me down for instructs cause I really didn't have instruction and, uh, just worked on it. Got really good. Felt really confident. Um, Receiving was there, framing, throwing, everything was there. Uh, Shoved spring training uh, 2022 this past year and just dominated. I raked, I, you know, I threw everybody out, blocked, framed, received really well. And um, all of a sudden I'm on the, I was on the starting team in double A, which is what I expected to be because I was 25, I was turning 25. And then um, all of a sudden I'm on a backfield in low A, uh, backing up uh, an 18 year old high school draft pick. Um, and so that all happened within like mm-hmm. oh, the last week. And so I got nothing against those guys, but, um, I just was not going back to low a, um, they wanted to put me back there. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to do that. You guys give me a sh- an opportunity to, to, to proceed or not, we're not doing this. We're not going to waste time like this. And so I was, you know, at that point in time, I just walked away from it. Yeah, I just want the one thing I'll say before I turn it over to Caleb for another question is that what I really liked that you did is you kind of took control of your own situation. And I mean, it's hard for a lot of guys to do that um, in yeah. a sense where they just kind of go with the flow. But you were like, no, I don't like the situation that I'm in and I'm going to find a way out of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about your career. I mean, it, somebody <laughs> might look at your career and say, wow, this was a short career. And, you know, he had these ups and downs, but you've been, really been battle tested every step of the way. And it's like, even if it was, you felt like at your low, like you were going to get cut, you get traded. Even if you were doing your greatest, you get demoted or kind of not sure of what your positioning would be. Yeah. What I'm looking at is someone who then says, I really like business. Right. And we heard a little bit about your off the field stuff, um, you know, with, you know, the wood shop stuff and all that kind of things, but the leadership skills were constant. You played shortstop that's leadership position, and then they take they take you and move you to catcher, right? Those yeah. are two leadership positions. I mean, everybody always says when you're building a team, you go up the middle, and those are two of the three that are up the middle, right? So, like, what did you see, at least seeing yourself, viewing yourself as a baseball player on the field, and what did you take into your, you know, what you're doing now, but also, like, those other interests that you had, those other side hustles that you had? Right, yeah, and so um, the Orioles put me into a leadership group, and I was in that group for, for – uh, two years. And, um, you know, that group had, you know, Gunnar Henderson in it, Adley Rutschman, Kyle Stowers. It, like we had the core that's up there. That was the group. And, um, so obviously, yeah, once, once I, once I kind of hit 
figured out, like I had to figure out what my skills were to, to transition out. Um, but you know, I knew I had a knack for business and I knew that whatever I, when I was the night I was going to retire. So my decision to retire actually happened in two days. Um, once they put me in a backfield in low a, I, I went in and talked to Matt blood, the head of player development. And, um, that night before I saw them all playing volleyball and, you know, it just rubbed me the wrong way on the beach. I did it. You know, he said, it's like growing everyone together and yeah, whatever. At the time I was like, just in a bad mood. So I saw it as, but I, you know, I walked, I walked it back into his office and um, I was just that night after speaking with him the first time, after I saw them playing volleyball, I was staring at the ceiling, didn't sleep that night, nothing. And um, I made the decision, like, whatever I do next, whatever I do next, it's going to be, have to be bigger than this. Um, I, it's got to be more exciting. It's got to have more money and it's got to be like something that's exciting. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be bigger. And, um, you know, after I did that and made that promise to myself, then, uh, it was, it was kind of a no brainer. I, you know, I walked out of there, everyone kind of stopped in their tracks when they heard I retired. Um, all the coaches jaws dropped, like it was kind of, it was kind of nuts. Time stood still. Um, at least for me, everyone's like kind of, I would say by everyone in the locker room, like, where are you going? And I said, I just retired. And they're like, so, um, but what was what was your question? Got it, kind of getting sidetracked. Well, I mean, let's take what you just said because I think I think what we were talking about was what leadership skills you took on the field into yeah, your business. Yeah. But but I think the other part here, just listening to what you're saying, is what went into that process. What questions did you ask? Because you know everybody always thinks it's just a moment, right? Like whether it's voluntary or not, that you just retire and it's done. Like you just peel the bandaid off. But clearly, you said it was two day process. Those two days probably yeah. felt like the longest two days of your life. So yeah. Yeah. maybe besides getting drafted, but those. You know, that process, what was the questioning? What went into your mind? And, you know, did you have something in mind when you said this has to be better? Did you have some kind of vision? Yeah, um, I knew I knew it was something to do with small business. And I knew it was something that had like I would be hustling in it. And it was, it was going to be me in charge because, um, you know, I, I got a very strong work ethic and I just get stuff done. Like I I just that's it. I just knock things off my calendar and my to do list like nobody's business. I'll, I'll wake up at like 5 a.m. and I'll just get to work and I'll you know, that's that's who I am. I identify as someone that just works hard. That's it. And um, and so as soon as, you know, that happened, I had to figure out I had to take that work ethic to figure out what I needed to do next. And so I've always been the guy to come up with something. I've always had if I needed to make plans, I've always came up with, you know, a way to make plans. If I needed to do something, I've always overcome it. As you've seen, every challenge I've overcome. So I just looked at it as another challenge and I was just going to conquer it as well. Um, you know, and as far as the leadership skills, I knew I was strong at leadership, but I just didn't want to have to take any orders from anyone else again, I, especially if they're not going to work as hard as me. Um, you know, I believe the, the, the owner of the company, the CEO, um, the owner of an organization, the leaders, they are the ones that have to be working hard, the hardest. Everyone wants to own their own company just to have hands off, but that's not how leadership works. You have to be the hardest working guy. And I looked at some of the, the people that are above me in baseball and I didn't necessarily believe that. So um, that's, that was what made me want to be my own boss and, and go my own way. And then um, after that, I just kind of followed the, uh, the, the string in front of me, wherever, it, wherever it went. So when you did voluntarily retire and you went into that process where you're no longer a baseball player, maybe you still identified as that in terms of the work ethic and the leadership skills, 
what was that like for you? I mean, did you have any growing pains? Because as, as many transitions as you can go through, meaning getting traded, switching positions, going from college to pro, whatever it may be, it doesn't make the next transition that much easier. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so um, definitely growing pains. That, uh, that first month out of baseball um, was tough. It was really tough. The, uh, the I think the first couple days – um, you know, it really didn't sink in that drive back. So I drove down to Florida for spring training in my truck, that drive home, um, was pretty emotional. Not going to lie. Um, you know, I, I sat there, I like texted people that, uh, you know, they're all expecting to see where I was getting assigned. And so, um, cause there's a couple days left of spring training and, um, AAA was about to leave. So I left like right on time with that. And so I was texting, you know, all my old co coaches telling them I retired, I remember it kind of hitting me real quick um, that, you know, I wasn't a baseball player anymore. Um, and so I stopped when I got to uh, it was somewhere in Georgia or somewhere in South Carolina. And I, I got to the hotel um, that, you know, just halfway. And I, you know, opened the door to get my bags out to go check in. And one of my bats fell out of the, of the truck hmm. and it kind of rolled towards like this dark forest. And it's like 1130, 12 at midnight, you know, and I like go and pick it up and I like just fake that there's a pitcher there. And I like took a swing and it just felt completely different. Like I didn't even feel like a baseball player anymore. And it was not even a full 12 hours left. And um, at that point in time, it was like, well, what am I supposed to do next? And um, so I, I didn't have like a mission. I didn't have um, I've always been that guy like, you know, it's always fun to go out and party and stuff, but it's not fun if you don't have a mission, if it's not fun, if you don't have like your main hustle. So um, I just was kind of like really just focusing on figuring out what, what was next. Um, didn't really have as much time to just like reminisce and uh, get pissed off. Cause I was just like, I need something ahead. I need just, I need to look forward to something. So I kind of distracted myself with a lot of those uh, feelings and emotions with, you know, we got a job to do. We got to figure out what we're going to do next. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that picking that bad thing just it gave me a goosebumps and I'm wearing a hoodie, so it's kind of yeah. weird. But, um, it <laughs> yeah. just reminded me of like a movie. Like that's like yeah. a movie scene. Yeah. Um, no, I remember it was it was it was so weird. I think it was actually in Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. And it, it was uh it was like the bat I was using for all spring training just fell out. And um I didn't have enough room in my bat bag and I just like it just fell out and I just it like rolled and I grabbed it and I was like, wow. And I just kind of started laughing. Um, it was like, it was very strange feeling, but yeah. But did that give that moment, give you some kind of closure? Cause to me, like, if I want to be, you know, one of those people who's oh, looking at this as like a sign, it's like the game extending its hand to you to say, you gave it your all. Now it's time to move on. Yeah. I mean, um, I didn't, I didn't see it like that until, you know, a couple months later probably, but, um, I think it was, it was, uh, it was just kind of a strange, uh, culminating point. You know, everyone always wants to, uh, to go, you know, if you for you to go out on top in baseball, if you really think about it, you know, the only guys that really do that are the ones in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, and it's, you know, it, no one really gets to walk away um, in the most heroic fashion. But the way I did it, I I will tell you this day, I'll tell anyone that was there when I retired. You know, they they will say like I handled myself like very very well, and I'm so proud of how I handled that situation. Um, even to this day, you know, cause they, they, uh, they released a bunch of my friends right after that. 
and they kept him in extended spring training for a little bit. And then they just, they axed him after that. And um, I was kind of thinking like, if I had to go through that, I'd be very pissed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you on know, your, I, on your own terms is, is pretty close to the top. Uh, quick, yeah. quick, just side thing as we kind of move forward. And then Jared, I mean, if you want to close it out, um, yeah. you mentioned driving and having this, you know, thought like I need to figure out what's next. What's, what's this vision. Um, talk to us about that process. But, you know, the other thing in mind here is that like being a baseball player from high school to college, I know you went to the Cape along the way, then being in the Myers and getting traded, transitioning to a different position with another team, they kind of always put in front of you what you had to do. Now you chose to retire and nobody said you're retiring and doing X. So what was that like? I mean, and, and tell us what you did choose or what you're in the process of choosing now. Right. Yeah. So um pretty much there was like a week where i was like it was probably it's probably like two days I, I i try to do everything really quick so um i don't know why but that's just how i handle stuff and i realized like if i don't get if i don't want to work today if i don't want to push this forward it doesn't get pushed forward if i don't want to do this it doesn't get done like it's not like we have to go out for batting practice at this time report at this time um, go home, eat, get back here at this time. Like I, I can do whatever I want, but also I am responsible for whatever I, whatever happens. So, um, that, that was that, but, um, I was kind of thinking like, um, I, I had a couple like small jobs, um, after I retired, um, just kind of distracting me and, you know, keeping me busy. Um, and one of them was a marketing, uh, job for a strength equipment company. And um, I worked with them um, and uh, increased their sales and through through social media ads and um, decreased all their costs. So they became like pretty profitable. And then they agreed to terms with a buyer to sell it, hmm. the whole company. And so um, once that happened, I started realizing like, you know, I actually have some serious skills. We you know we talked on the phone like baseball players don't realize they have actual skills, you know, and um that, that kind of came into play. And then I started meeting a ton of people. And then I realized, you know, why don't I just try and, you know, instead of starting a business, why don't I go try and buy a business? And um, so at this point in time, I'm looking to buy a couple companies and um, probably, I don't know where the location is going to be, um, but, you know, it's been building up and culminating in this way for a while. So we'll see what happens. That's awesome. And I guess that one question that we kind of always want to leave off with guests um, is if you had one piece of advice for current minor leaguers who are all kind of trying to find their identity outside of the game or make that transition outside of baseball, um, what would that advice be? Um, I would say, I would say be like one of those, uh, the Roomba vacuum robots, you know, like if you, <laughs> if you're, uh, you know, just like start going in a direction, you have to, you have to take action though. You can't just think through everything. That's, that's the mistake I kind of made at the beginning. You just have to move. You just have to text, you know, text that person, make that call, um, do that thing, go attend that mastermind, you know, take the course, whatever, and see where it leads you. And uh, just taking action, you just kind of go down a path and if it's not going to work, you hit off the wall and you like turn and you go find a new direction and then you hit off another wall and you find. And that's how that's how like everyone figures everything out. And um, I would say do that, but also like take your time and, you know, figure out, you know, what went wrong during your career and how you handled everything. And, um, you know, kind of culminate that and then don't, you know, don't root against people because of it. Um, you know, I found myself a couple days out 
like rooting against the Orioles. But then I realized like all my friends got called up and I was like, I can't root against these guys. They're just, there's <laughs> a bunch of goofballs, you know, like, um, so I, you know, I, I really didn't care once I, once I got separated from the game, I realized how small it really was. And the, a lot of people in the world, like have no idea what baseball is mm-hmm. and they know what baseball is, but they don't know the game as well as we do. And, um, they didn't really care. You know, if you're not going to be able to make them a little bit more money or have some kind of impact, you know, whatever. Um, so I would say be like that, that Roomba robot and just bounce off wherever you got to go. Yeah. And I kind of love that. I love that ending just because it's, it's kind of like never stop growing, always keep kind of pushing forward and trying to figure out who you are. Cause it's, you're never going to stop figuring out who you are. You're always going to be on that constant journey. Exactly. Um, yep. But Ryan, we can't thank you enough for joining us on the today. Uh, was this was one of the, my favorite conversations I think that we've had so far. So we really appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Cheers. It's definitely clear that you took your shortstop and catcher mentality. And I think you know <laughs> if, if you want to look back and t- especially to tell your father, I think you and your time with the Mariners and the Orioles was your MBA because it, it really it harnessed those skills that you said that you are now using. Right. But you kind of needed to go out there, test and push your limits to see how far you could go in baseball before you could enter the business world. But you're prepared yeah. for it. And that's the beauty. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, just being able to handle those emotions, like uh, going out and playing in front of 7000 people. Um, you know, uh, I remember we opened up my first game of uh, low A was against Dustin Bedroya. There was 7000 people in Greenville, South Carolina. And like I was I was so nervous, you know, like I was, you know, but. I'm also nervous before I go call somebody, you know, an owner of a company. Um, and I know how to handle those emotions now. And, you know, that's like a big, that's a big thing, you know, in baseball, you need to handle your emotions. Business is the same exact thing. It really is. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Thanks guys. I appreciate everything. And, uh, hopefully give you enough filler and, uh, good, good content. Yeah, this is awesome. And yeah, we're pulling for you and hoping that you just all the success uh, with your post baseball career. Awesome. Thanks, guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 